0: Like this show, please tell your fellow music history nerds about it. Leave a review, smash the subscribe button, follow us on social media at lowpropodcast, and find more content related to this and all previous episodes at lowprofilepodcast.com. If you want to help pay the bills and a big thank you to those that do, you can join other financial backers at patreon.com/lowprofile. Low Profile receives in kind support from these Olympia, Washington independent businesses San Francisco Street Bakery, Schwartz's Deli, Old School Pizzeria, Rainy Day Records, and Schurler Premium Shitty American Lager from Three Magnets Brewing. Hey, what's up? It's Markley, and you're listening to Low Profile, bringing you songs and stories from artists who break convention. Now, the show's on a little break right now. will be back in a couple weeks with a brand new episode. But today, you're going to get something special. It's an episode of Darknet Diaries. Now, that's a cybercrime podcast. There usually isn't very much crossover thematically between my show and Darknet Diaries. Except for this one in particular. Uh, the host, Jack Resider, interviewed a few rappers in the nerdcore genre. And if you don't know what nerdcore is, you're about to find out. But first, I'm going to introduce you to Jack, and then we'll listen to his episode. Thanks a lot. See you in a couple weeks. Jack, how do you do? Great. Wow. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for sharing this with uh, the people that listen to my show. I'm I'm really excited for them to hear it. Good. Um, Yeah, I hope they like it. How did you uh, come across this whole uh, nerdcore genre?
1: I think it's um, kind of been in my periphery for a while. It's, uh, but it's, I wasn't sure how serious to take it. You know, it's kind of one of those, are they making fun of it or are they? There's this Weird Al song. I think it's um like all about the pentiums pentiums right. and, and it's yeah. yeah it's it makes fun of like geek culture and so i kind of thought it was kind of lumped up in that but it was but it was people who were part of this so i was like well you're not quite making fun of it but some of this stuff is funny you know like there's yeah. jokes in there that i get that um i think are funny but uh, it's not quite making fun of it so i don't know it's kind of just been you know to the sidelines is not quite serious and not quite parody and somewhere in between there. And, um, I, I don't know. It just kind of grew from there. Right. It it became more, more popular, I suppose.
0: Yeah. I think, um, one of my observations is that it, it does sync up with the, um, like the nature of hip hop in general is that it's very braggadocious rhymes, you know, like they're, Mm -hmm. they're, they're boasting. And, um, like in a lot of gangster rap, you know, they're doing it as an outlet, so they don't have to go and commit these crimes they feel like doing. But this is like—it's—it seems like these guys are legit, um, you know, talking yeah. about life. But they're—they're they're like rapping from experience.
1: Yeah, and that's kind of how I ran into these these people um, that uh, the the Nerdcore rappers that I had on, on one of my episodes was I was at different conferences and I was actually had seen their shows before because right? they, they have these you know and, at the af- after hours after the conference let's go to this place and we'll hear you know one of the shows and so I've seen them but it was just you know they were kinds of uh, fans of my show and wanting to meet me as well so it was kind of one of those uh, mutual respectful things and yeah. I was like well do you actually do this you know after I got to meet some of them like do you actually hack into these things and do and they're like, yes, let me tell you all about like my actual past. And so I was never sure if they were just here for the music or if they were here for the cybersecurity stuff. And then they were also musicians. And after meeting all of them, they were all here for the cybersecurity stuff and just happened to be musicians as well. And that kind of made me really take note of this and say, wow, these guys actually do what what they say they're doing in their songs. And that's interesting.
0: Yeah, and it's really quality music as well. Like it's all like top-notch production. You featured three different artists on this episode. We got Whitey Cracker, Oh My, and and then uh, Dual Core, mm-hmm. and um, they're all pretty different in their styles and topics and everything. Like I think Oh My came across to me as the most wholesome of the bunch. <laughs>
1: Yeah, um, yeah, and he's got he's kind
0: of got an East Coast uh, flavor to him, while the other two are maybe West Coast. <laughs> yeah, definitely. We don't want to give away too much more than that, but can you talk for just a second about your show, Darknet Diaries, and how yeah. this episode fits into your show?
1: Yeah, it's uh, Darknet Diaries is a podcast about hackers and cybercrime. crime. Um, I try to get people who on I, I try to interview people who were actually there in the trenches, who are part of this. And uh, have some firsthand experiences, right, of being hacked or, or hacking themselves, um, and so th- that's what my show's about. And it's, it's like storytelling with you know high drama, high stakes, and what's going to happen next kind of experience with all that. And, but there's music in it, and I thought, and I've, and I, you know, I'm aware of this nerdcore stuff, and I think it just kind of all fit together. Of hey, why don't I have a whole episode about? This nerdcore music, w- w- because it they tell stories. I mean, they're whole stories, and some of them, like here, here's how, <laughs> here's how uh, you know I hacked this thing and how I got in and stuff. And it's just fascinating to kind of hear some of that.
0: Yeah, I, and I thought it fit in great to this show because this is this shows about songs and stories from artists who break convention, and that's exactly what we got here today.
1: Yeah, this is its own genre that you may have never heard of. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, uh, gonna let you take it away from here, Jack. Thanks a lot.
1: Hey, this has been a weird year, hasn't it? Well, this is gonna be a weird episode. Are you ready to go on a musical adventure with me? Yeah? Okay. Let's do this. Here. Check this out. It
2: doesn't happen systematically. Pass the hash. Or leave. What happened to me? I told all the firmware, the backups in your battery responders won't find me.
1: Did did uh did you just hear what I heard? Pass the hash. Trojan all the firmware. What is this?
2: Tim short. Homaya taps appear. It's the man in the middle still kicking in your ear quite. Place
1: Man in the Middle? My wiretaps Are Feared? Was this song made just for me? Okay, 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 I'm hooked, and I want to hear more. And if you do too, come along with me and let's dive into the world of nerdcore music. But two quick warnings. First, this episode has explicit lyrics. Lots of swear words and stuff. Second, make sure to listen to this at 1x speed, okay? All right, now turn it up. These are true stories from the dark side of the internet. I'm Jack Recider. This is Darknet Diaries. Okay, first on the playlist is Whitey Cracker. This is
3: DJMC Whitey Cracker.
1: And that's spelled with the letter Y, the letter T, and then Cracker. Now to give you a taste of what Whitey Cracker's music sounds like, here's an appetizer.
3: Hold up, in the of the parkade in the darkness, is running off in every direction. And the electronics manage every connection. I'm like the archetypal internet kingpin. Traffic on the but I'm a shadow. And I gotta get my ready. dangerous. Payloads my viruses, like a Danish. sweetness. on the keyboard type This beat this behemoth. You
1: hear all this? Living like the archetypal internet kingpin. Traffic on the scanners, been shallow, so I'm in a shadow. And then he says, Fingers on the keyboard typing, showing my leetness. I guess that sort of frames my curiosity. How leet are nerdcore rappers? Who is Whitey Cracker? To find that out, we have to stop and rewind the tape to when he was a kid. He grew up in California and in Colorado and was introduced into tech by his father.
4: He worked for Hughes Aircraft and he was working on like Peacekeeper missiles, just all the Cold War cool stuff, but absolutely hated California.
1: This is Whitey Cracker talking.
4: So moved back to Colorado and he was working with Martin Marietta, which became Lockheed Martin. He's very much um, hardware oriented and I kind of fell more into the software field, but it was lucky to have a computer in my house Kind of when it, they weren't as ubiquitous as they are now. So that uh, was really an advantage, I think. But I just, the first time I ever touched a computer, I was just super fascinated with them. So just want to figure out
5: how they work. Oh, oh. Right now here. Oh. We're
1: talking the 90s here, when Whitey Cracker was in high school. And he was getting online then and looking to see what was there, which, by the way, there wasn't much online at the time.
4: I was really into, uh, like the bulletin board scene uh, locally. And I think from there is kind of where I started reading a lot of texts, uh, text files, like zines and sort of the, the tales of the underground and got real fascinated with phone freaking and hacking and stuff, uh, just sort of being like a natural extension to the understanding of how computers worked.
1: The internet and computers were fascinating to him. So he kept going deeper and deeper to learn more about it
4: my first real hack i think there was a the public library had a a, like a bulletin board system um and i found out how to like drop into a shell and i turned it into an egg drop bot
1: at that time most people didn't have a persistent connection to the internet but his library did so he installed an irc bot on it which could act sort of like an admin of chat room something that was always vigilant watching everything that was going on this was cool as a teenager, to have remote control over an always-on computer and to actually put it to use. Uh,
4: yeah, I just kind of really got addicted to the, like, the real breaking in the stuff, so I, I just kind of went on this little bit of a, like, a rampage, I guess, after that, but I, like, I, just, I hacked pretty much every school district in the, in, in the state.
1: Now, before we get too far down his hacking path, at this same time, he was also learning how to make music on his computer. Oh, and just so you know, all the songs you hear while we're talking with Whitey Cracker were made by him. In the 90s, there were these programs called Trackers, which would let you play samples at different pitches to make music.
4: Like Screen Tracker was the first one that I had used, um, and actually a couple of the computer guys that I had. You know, the other hacker dudes were super into electronic music.
1: Here's one of the songs he made while in high school using Scream Tracker. What do you think about Whitey Cracker?
5: I think I would like to fuck him. You
1: know, (laughs) I wasn't going to say anything, but that intro brings back memories I totally forgot about. When I was a teenager around that same time, I found some text-to-speech software. Whatever I wrote, the computer would try to say it. You could do male voices or female voices, British or American accents. And when I discovered this as a teenager, I made the voice say sexy things too. And possibly all teenage boys who discover text-to-speech programs for the first time get the computer to say something dirty just to giggle. At this time in the 90s, the cool place to be part of was the demo scene, and Whitey Cracker was right in the middle of it. The demo scene was its own subculture of the internet. It pretty much was just an audio and visual showcase made by independent artists. Demos were little programs, executables, that when you ran it, it would just display moving graphics and play music. That's all it did. But in the 90s, it was really cool to scroll through scene.org, download files, and run them to see what they did. Since Whitey Cracker was making music, he was all about the demo scene, uploading his music there and making friends with other electronic musicians.
4: I looked on like scene.org and I can't find a lot of the older stuff that I had. Like it was definitely on bulletin boards, but we had this group called the Puteng Clan. We had one called uh, Multi Sync. And uh, then there was a group called Category 5. So at this
1: point, Whitey Cracker was really into computers, using them to make music with other people and to hack stuff too. And being part of the demo scene sometimes blended right into the hacker scene because a lot of apps that were used to play pirated games had cool little graphics and music built into the app to say, this game was cracked by our hacker group, which made the hacker group so much cooler.
4: I remember uh, when Nuke had come out, And uh, it was like, you send a, out a band packet to port 139 and it would crash someone's computer. If you, and you know, this is prior to like consumer firewalls and <laughs> everything like that. So it like basically if you had somebody's IP address and they had a Windows machine, you could invariably crash them. And I remember having that and one of the sysops at this other BBS I had gone in and he's like, have you ever been on AOL? And I hadn't, but like I'm obviously aware of it. Um, but he was like, you can like just knock people offline there all the time too, and I was like, oh, that's so cool.
1: Yeah, so America Online, or AOL, was a way to get online in the 90s, but it was designed for dummies to use the internet. And so, because it was so super easy to use, it attracted a lot of newbies to the internet. And in some IRC chat rooms, this meant AOL users were easy targets to try to hack. Whitey Cracker was finding ways to hack into AOL servers and look up information on their users.
6: Don't fuck with the Whitey Cracker.
4: We were working on like like defacing keywords and uh, we had access to the, the uh Chris, it was like of the consumer resource information service. Uh, like so you could look at like on AOL, you could like look people up and get their credit card information. Their address, phone number, you know, just all the notes on the account. So, really, like, it was crazy because back then, when p- people were actually anonymous on the internet and weren't <laughs> trying to, uh, like, you know, put all their real information in Facebook and stuff, it was really just funny because you'd be talking a shit to somebody on. You know AOL and then tell them where they live and you wouldn't see them sign on for weeks because they'd just be scared of their minds.
1: Now all this was going on while Whitey Cracker was still in high school and he's also hacking into the school because why not right? I mean for a teenager it's sometimes just a simple question of let's see if the school which is trying to teach me about computers knows anything about how to secure their own network. So he was able to get into the school's database which allowed him to change grades for any student in the school.
4: I like. I just had the the perception basically that if you changed like one one grade in a system, then you know it's obviously easy to find out you know who is behind it and stuff. So there was kind of a method to changing you know random grades and and stuff. So there's no way to like really associate it with anybody.
1: So you changed your own grade?
4: Uh, I didn't change my own grades. No, never changed my own grades. You just never... You just
1: screwed with other students.
4: Change others. Yeah, that's the uh, that's the best way to do it. I'd basically gotten to like all the record systems, and I'd, uh, I'd defaced all the web pages later.
1: Defacing a website is pretty much just making changes to a website when you're not supposed to be able to. <laughs>
4: oh, we, we would, i would replace the entire front page. So it's like all you'd have to do is go to the domain, and you would see it there. I would leave links to the original pages and stuff, but yeah, just replacing the. You know, the entirety of the page. Sometimes I would, you know, like mess with the, you know, like just take the existing page that's there and just mess with like the text to make it funny and, you know, edit the pictures. And sometimes it would replace it completely. But again, I think it was just a competitive atmosphere that, like, again, amongst ourselves, we were just trying to find the biggest fish in prime.
1: And so he was gaining street cred as a hacker, earning the respect of more people in the chat rooms that he was in.
4: I started getting into, like, I was really into hip hop and everything, so like graffiti was, <laughs> was like one of the elements of hip hop, I guess, and so uh, I kind of really liked web page defacement that seemed to be the most uh, hip hop of <laughs> all of the hacks you could do, so I would. That, uh, I was I remember the first kind of series there's these there's a cold fusion bug um, when it was a default upload uh, there was a, it was like in the examples of the cold fusion server but some people would just leave this directory up there and it allowed you just arbitrarily up, upload files to uh, to web pages so I remember just grinding out like local car dealerships um, just p- p- web pages I'd see on TV like um, and again, this was back in the late 90s and early 2000s, so it wasn't like, most people had AOL keywords uh, back then, which was like how you would visit them on the internet since so many people were on AOL. So that, like I said, defacing keywords and defacing web pages just became kind of this uh, sort of funny way to uh, kind of use the hacking, but not, uh, There's there was there was glory in it, I guess. You're not uh, sealing nuclear secrets, though.
1: This was fun, this was a rush for him. Making music and defacing websites became his two biggest hobbies.
4: First it was like high value target type stuff, corporate. And then for whatever reason, like it was just like the the mills and the govs just became sort of enticing shiny Pokemon to me.
1: Mills and govs, those are top level domains. He's talking about any website that ends in .mil or .gov so he's targeting military and government websites now. Some of the ways he got in were pretty simple too. He just had a handful of techniques and he would try each technique to see if it worked. These were sometimes simple tools just to check if the web server was vulnerable and if so, he'd exploit it.
4: I did, yeah, the city of Colorado Springs, like, so my local town, and I hacked like the USGS, uh, Texas Department of Public Safety, So it's like their sheriff's department. Um, I did uh, like AT&T, Acer, uh, the FAA, New York Department of Agriculture, Oregon State Construction Contractors Board, the Oregon State Board of Education, uh, pretty much every school district in Colorado, uh, the Goddard Spice Flight Center International Program, uh, the National Training Center for the Bureau of Land Management. Yeah, it was a it was fun, but uh, again, my purpose was just maybe like graffiti. I wasn't really trying to um, disrupt the inner workings of the u s government at the time.
1: So at this point, are you feeling like you're gonna get caught?
4: I was fairly certain, like because the handle that I went by, like the Whitey cracker or whatever the people just they knew me as that anyway, like because I'd done music under it and stuff. so. It wasn't like kind of a secret, but and as part of where, you know, I I didn't delete logs. Like I purposely like was made. I was just making it so I didn't really think about the consequences though at that time. Like I wasn't really, I mean, I was wasn't eighteen, so I figured anything that happened to me, uh, I could just get adjudicated out of or whatever.
1: At this point, Whitey Cracker discovered a pretty interesting thing that could potentially earn him money. He found some websites had referral programs. Basically, the website would pay anyone cash for referring a new user to the site. So Whitey Cracker realized, hey, if I had a lot of email addresses, I could send them all an email telling them to go sign up at this website and I'd get paid for sending people there. So he entered into the world of spam. Step one, though, is getting the email addresses.
4: Okay, so on AOL, there's, um, there's a member directory, but then there was also a bunch of chat rooms. Uh, and in the chat rooms, like, there's a, a feature you can click called who's online, and it would list who was in that room at the time. And the max room size is about 23, 24 people. Uh, so uh, there was just programs, um, it'll just automatically go through and click, so to gather the names pretty much you know you would just go to all the public rooms and you would cycle through and there wasn't initially there wasn't any rate limits so you could just basically get the entirety of aol and just have something that's constantly running uh and grabbing names from the member directory uh so you could take a dictionary file and then search for certain things that would be in people's profiles and you would just scale out that way
1: so you've got what a list of like a few hundred a few thousand
4: a, a millions.
1: Okay, step one is done. He has millions of email addresses. Next is to find the most profitable website that pays for referrals, but doesn't mind if people use spam to get those referrals. So after researching what websites to promote, he found the perfect site.
4: So, uh, porn was pretty much the... uh, I wasn't even old enough really to view it, but uh, a lot of these companies, they outwardly had a like a policy against spamming but realistically under the hood everybody knew it was just kind of known you know this is like how the traffic gets generated so there was choices to get paid per click or per sign up so depending on how your traffic backed out you know in spam obviously it's just uh that you want to go with the pay-per-click model
3: you newbies cannot stomach when it comes to fucking spam, homie. Believe that, Playboy. You know me, I don't need no introduction and shit. Spamming around the whole city, pressing buttons, you bitch. Arm banging, mouse dangling, just spamming the shit. And stay on top, spam my bot, stay mailing, you bitch. Why the crack? I get it right, don't tangle and twist it. Hit town square every night, drunk, drinking that Christmas, spam us mad, don't like it. So I'm
1: there he goes, bitch. sending millions of emails to people, <inaudible> urging them to visit <inaudible> porn sites and to join as a member. <inaudible> and the more people he got to click, the more money. <inaudible> He'd
3: make you don't know another spammer that can spam like me. Why do you crack represent homie to YTC? I'm a hard spamming hacker like Kevin Kenee. no, they make a the program showing up on my people. the number one spammer. So wow.
1: wow. you were making a thousand dollars a week, wow. 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 Wow.
3: yeah, just about. Um, it's pretty good
1: for a 17 year old.
4: Yeah, it was amazing. Do
1: you remember things you were buying? as a 17-year-old?
4: I mean, lots of, like, computer equipment. Uh, My wardrobe was insane. I had just the the most insane. um, Like, Echo was, like, my favorite clothing brand, and I pretty much had every piece that they owned. But, you know, I was taking my friends out to dinner and everything all the time. Wow. Uh, bought a car like i don't know just uh whatever you know like again it was just
1: would your parents think that you had how did how'd you get this money
4: um i mean they knew uh but like my dad was always just really my my parents are really traditional and i was kind of at that point bucking education and stuff i wasn't i i had understood i'd realized that I make more than my teachers you know not doing even not even really working you know and there's sort of this whole kind of teenage rebellion thing where you know every teenager does think that they know everything but at that stage i was really like well if this is like what's possible then why do i need to you know continue to do this type of stuff so that yeah that, i think my parents you know my dad was trying to instill like work ethic in me you know going to going to work and showing up and this type of stuff it's not and i was like no it's the money that's important it's not the job it's the, the byproduct and the, the end result of what you're working for is the you know the key here so we were at odds i guess philosophically
3: there's a little place in my dreams where i go and i want to cheer up it seems no filters and no limitations to stop me from spamming and paper chasing Send a million mails, not one complaint Seats show right away and there isn't a way AOL doesn't sue anybody Because they consider spamming a hobby Everyone buys and no one jumps And there aren't any anti-spammer upon The post where you live on rock, so Because you live in a land where the cocks grow Everybody has
1: a Somewhere around here, Whitey Cracker dropped out of high school Which I understand, he's running circles around the school's network So there's probably not much they can teach him about computers And he's making more money than his teachers He's feeling like he's got life figured out
3: It's a spammer's paradise Where everyone has an email and checks it twice Buy anything without seeing the price And send money tonight just because the print sounds nice
6: Cybercrime seems to be how some people, particularly juveniles, feel important. For Whitey Cracker, a 17 year old dropout, this meant compromising and defacing multiple websites. Kids like
4: us, you know, we go out every day, we have fun, and you know, we come on and rule the world.
6: He came to the attention of DCIS when he illegally accessed a Defense Contract Management Agency web server. Once inside, he replaced DCMA information with text and graphics in which he bragged about his exploits. The pattern was repeated on over 40 websites, including servers maintained by NASA. Agents from DCIS, NASA, as well as the FBI began to close in on the juvenile. Meanwhile, police in Colorado Springs were conducting their own investigation. They were tracking down an individual who had hacked into local school records. The minor responsible for the defacements was soon identified, and agents began to build their case. Whitey Cracker knew they were on to him. Detective DeHart told
4: me that they had a 314-page case report on the whole thing, and I was just like,
6: that's huge. The 17 year old suspect eventually confessed to one count of computer crime under Colorado law. He was placed on two years probation and fined $24,000. My eyes slowly rise on a shut state, steal E and open a shut, chain ship, prison. About a syndicate,
3: microchips and plenty in my wrist to get branded, and a shot skin, along with a handprint. The Biometric checking his man did. So, when the story began, just another prisoner was making a man The cell doors open. Everyone exits their cells in the uniform motion. But one of us moving to the guard is spoken because a spoken join a pleasant notion. Um,
4: a I think it was that the, the, like the ride was over type thing. I mean, I. The one pack that is still yeah kind of again it was just sort of a gentleman's agreement i would say but they were just like look like if you didn't if you didn't fuck with the government like we probably wouldn't have even come after you and i was like and i thought that was pretty interesting um so i've just had this gentleman's agreement with the government ever since that i just don't hack them (laughs) and ever since then like i mean i've pretty much stayed out of they, I haven't been raided since, and like, <laughs> it's not like I kept my nose the cleanest. But at the same time, that was the pretty much just the biggest, uh, I guess, takeaway is that you know the government will uh, really roll over you if um, you know they have infinite budget and infinite time if you humiliate them.
1: But while he had a truce with government websites, he didn't see any problem with continuing with his spamming career.
4: Spamming is life. <laughs> you know because again and again and again and again. Oh, i, I realized that hacking you know is much more rewarding when you are making money doing it. So that was the... I guess onus for a lot of it but defacing things wasn't really profitable uh, unless you're obviously defacing something and
3: <laughs> putting a link to your gas card or something like to
4: I just, I think that, uh, again, people have varying opinions on it. It's one of those things that I think everybody wants to do or wishes they could do, like, regardless of how annoying it is. Well, I won't say everybody, but that, you know, even in today's culture, like, you know, people are just, like, listen to my mixtape or, you know, check out my YouTube channel, like, and subscribe, like, type stuff. That really, like, getting, you know, into a million, 10 million, 100 million inboxes, if you can do that and get that many eyeballs on your thing, like, you're obviously doing pretty well.
1: At some point, he realized online pharmacies were also paying very well for referrals. And so he started sending spam, trying to get people to buy medications from certain pharmacies. Then he also found sites that you could buy fake diplomas from, and they were also paying well for referrals.
7: If you
0: send me another fucking text message to my cell phone, we're going to have a problem. Better knock this shit off. we
4: blasted this diploma spam.
1: He actually figured out a way to send a bunch of spam through text messages in some campaigns. I
4: will
0: sue you for every fucking thing
3: you
2: got. Do not call or text my uh,
4: And then so a lot of the calls that are on that song are actually people that were spammed and didn't want
3: diplomas. Listen to the phone calls on the refrain. Text from you, again, <laughs>
1: you might be wondering isn't all this illegal well yeah now it is the can spam act was enacted in 2003 which was right around this time CANSPAM is an acronym and stands for Controlling the Assault of Non-Solicited Pornography and Marketing. Yeah, after that came out, some spammers took a big hit, going to prison and getting hit with millions of dollars in fines. Whitey Cracker had to learn how to keep low and out of trouble while continuing to spam. Because honestly, major corporations spam us all day long, and they do it legally, so it's just a matter of making smart business choices, and with his years of background in doing all this, he was really good at it. And he was even able to legitimize the whole business, incorporating it and claiming it on his taxes and everything.
4: I guess, like, kind of what broke me out, uh, out more into quote-unquote serious musicianship or something was when I released Nerd Drive Entertainment System in two thousand five. Um, it got traction just on the on the internet at large.
3: Included, defined, defined. my mass is the classes, headers I compiled and distribute. Open source if you'd like to contribute. Arrays on arrays, my stack pose a tribute to pushing and popping, X nothing nothing Systematic fire locking, my sequel, knows no equal. Index what my brain got a million people. people. Eagerly awaiting my macro advances Running with my beta because I'm taking chances increment I do while others key style flavor to the end goes to the nth my main function honest execution float arguments pass on in my program slow pass leap to the infinite infinite my functions so are intimate. I know my code better than you you source my code is mental to the exponential cyborg the quit descent
1: so while this album is called nerd rap entertainment systems there was another rapper who named the whole genre.
4: So, uh, MC Frontalot, um, he came out with a song called Nerdcore Rising. This, like, the genre, like, right around, I would say 2006, 2007, sort of the really kind of game scheme. But Frontalot is credited with naming it. Um, realistically, like, there's even in within, quote-unquote, Nerdcore, there's all these, like, sub-genres where you know front a lot it's like a graphic designer you know does web pages and stuff but you know obviously highly nerdy um uh, but you know his content is different than you know mc lars which is he's a, a literature he has a degree from stanford in 19th century literature so a lot of his rhymes are more centered around uh the poetry and prose of that era uh me like i'd been doing music obviously prior to that but my stuff was I just—it was kind of like this gangster rap for nerds type thing, where I'm talking about you know hacking, and doing all this stuff, uh, criminal stuff on the computer, and you know not outside in the, in the real world type thing. But nerdcore sort of encompasses all of this sort of what we know we consider nerd culture. But I mean, now has kind of become fused more into mainstream uh, as technologies kind of popped off a lot more.
1: Yeah, do you think that it's uh, unfortunate it's called Nerdcore?
4: <laughs> um, not entirely. Like, I found it, I've always found it kind of an apt way to describe. I've always been proud to kind of associate with the genre. Um, and I'm considered, like, one of the kind of forefathers of it. So. Post
3: active man, I'm a mastermind. Backhand, backgammon, with a of mind. Game theory, let my soldiers hear me so silent you better mad to give me steady gamer you a lame need a second life just to get some fame by a champagne hell by the power by another one when the clock strikes the hour get drunk
1: So the nerdcore genre isn't always about hacking there's a lot of nerdcore songs about video games graphic design programming DD, comic books and sci-fi shows Nerds cover a big range of topics, which means, while I consider myself a nerd, I often run into nerds that I have no
4: common interests with. We are not the same. Yeah, I well, so and this is part of where, um, I, I got nerd life tattooed across my
3: stomach.
4: And it was, like, kind of a play on, um, on Thug Life that Tupac had, um, but I got it on the, um seventh anniversary of his death like when he was supposed to come back so it was like September 13th 2003 but if you looked at like older interviews of Tupac and stuff before he'd kind of gone really hard like he was super into drama and you know he was like kind of like effeminate and you, and you could just sort of see this like that even to people can be nerdy about anything. I guess is the biggest like takeaway. And like you said, I I think that's a more of a beautiful way to communicate it. That you know, again, just like people aren't you know, if this guy's into comics and you know you're into this. Some people are sports nerds. Some people know like you know everything about this baseball player or that basketball player or something. And it's just I think the accumulation of knowledge is more like what I kind of identify with and like what I say that nerd life is is it's. It's just being passionate about something to some crazy large degree. Mine just happens to be computers.
1: So, Whitey Cracker's music career has been pretty successful. He's been able to do international tours with his music and play tons of live shows every year.
4: Like I get probably five, six fan mails a day that are just, you know, like, I got into computer security because of you or... I, um, you know, I listen to your music all the time, like while I'm coding, or, you know, whatever. And that, to me, is just they, they, I just teach, like teaching through music or getting people like inspired that way is a lot. Like that's where I kind of feel the success comes in is that you know my fans, by and large, like are all real t- relatively smart and you know again passionate and like, you kind of have to be to be a fan. And so whereas you know, once if you're a, a Drake fan, you know, nothing against Drake, but that uh, you have all this cross section, you know, is is way different. And people don't like, I wouldn't say that like Drake inspires people to code or something. So it's a little bit different. But um, like, you know, do you know who Deadmau5 is? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, he's, uh, he actually plucked anti sec out of the <laughs> weeds and, he, uh, he's been playing it out now, but um, we're re releasing it on Mousetrap, uh, his remix. So it's kind of, I guess, going mainstream in a sense where, I mean, Dead Mouse is putting it on his album and stuff. So there's a little bit of that. I mean, still this happening to this day.
1: Okay, so yeah, Whitey Cracker made this song called Anti Seg. Uh, here, take a listen.
3: I'm the de facto leader of a movement. Screaming hack the planet back in 99. Nine. Activism Nine. in its prime. Nine. Purple hell had the dot mill rooted. Alphabet soup in their troops. In the suits, kid canned down doors and seized my equipment. Blocking on my shipment. Sitting on a hit list. <laughs> Old day radical. Emphatic beat. Attic in the stab hit. I enveloped the game. Call me rabbit. Saran. <laughs> This is
1: a song about
3: LulzSec,
1: which I'll have to do a future episode on sometime. But basically, Operation Anti-Sec was a hacking campaign conducted by a group of anonymous hackers called LulzSec. And they hacked into a ton of websites, including Sony, PBS, the U.S. Senate, and a bunch of other sites.
4: The LulzSec kind of anonymous phenomenon. Um, you know, I was involved in project technology and some of the other stuff, but yeah, that uh, the scene right around that time was really booming.
3: Your huh.
1: It sounds like you was there watching what Lulzsec was doing, and at least being present for some of the things they did. So since he had a front row seat and was watching it all go down, and it was making major news. Why not write a song about it?
3: HB Gary State talks like a strudel. Shit. Root shell on your bootstrap. Now, who's that? Run to M. Join and drop your whole C class. Yeah, C class, it is evident we flouted. I am in the list D Dowson. Lean back, bitch. We be sending an injection. Magic quotes off. Join table in a section. Put it up on paste bin. It won't get erased then. 20 million. Hits down like...
1: another thing that Whitey Cracker got involved with along his journey was Bitcoin. One of the songs he's known for is this one called Bitcoin Baron,
3: you know rappers like to rock chains, Rock chains, knock him up the box. Bitcoin
1: is currently worth something like ten thousand dollars each right now, but when he got in, it was only like fifty dollars per coin.
4: So the the when Bitcoin was around like sixty dollars or something, um people were like, What do we do with <laughs> like the you know what is what can be done with this? And and Jason was like, uh just, well, you know, I'll feed homeless people with it.
1: So yeah, Whitey Cracker and Jason have fed over 200,000 people now through their Bitcoin charity. Let the
3: players <laughs> play pumpkin. Hash function. Pumping and dumping. Manipulate the market. Flood it from the darkness net. Flood from the deep web. Keep it a
1: Now, these days, Whitey Cracker holds a day job doing information security work. Uh,
4: currently, like, I'm working at, at Ring.
1: Ring is an internet-connected camera that Amazon makes that goes on your front door.
4: I'm part of Amazon Digital Security, but uh, I work under, like, more for the Ring subsidiary, and there's a lot of considerations like privacy and security there that obviously... I you know I want to make that if I started a camera company tomorrow like I wouldn't have the reach and impact that you know Ring does so it's, it's you, you, like as a utility like just being part of that pipeline and being able to affect the products kind of the way that I would like to see them distributed is a real. Like, that's, that's where I see the benefit of working with, like, a Google or a Facebook or a, an Amazon is that, again, you're, you can be in the trenches and you can affect the change that you want to see in these devices and, um, you know, put your mark on them. Got
3: your neighbors wireless, a bit of pity. Cause I'm paying little children's up in every major city. What do you think I do on tour? Rack them, pay the bills. I'm paying out of swag up the jacket. and pay respects to the malformed sin pack.
1: So what do you want to be known as oh, oh, oh my yeah that's fine oh my I like that because it's like the ohm as in the resistor
5: I mean that's that's, that's, that's where it came from
1: I would be f- I would be current
5: yeah eyes current
1: all right we got oh my up next and I actually saw oh my live once at an after party for a security conference let's take a listen to his music
5: like yeah, I'll say you would cry I don't worry about the haters while I'm staying inside i feel great with my internet connection so don't hate on my internet connection my life is the result of being deprived socially always forced to stay inside when i had hoped to be hanging out with friends at movies they wanted to go and see and hopefully interacting with girls i wanted close to me but I stayed indoors and watched TV growing up all alone it was not easy and eventually I grew to love technology including the first laptop that someone got for me it was a whole new world for me to escape and I could emulate Game Boy Advance and PlayStation I tried stolen Wi-Fi and it was amazing TV episodes would load if I stayed patient
1: so did you steal Wi-Fi as a kid
5: yeah so growing up um We didn't have Wi-Fi. There was a a router in the living room, but my room was not anywhere close to it. So one house around me that had like their Wi-Fi open and I would uh, sit in my room and try to play games or I would watch a lot of anime that was <laughs> um you know obviously I didn't know the legalities of it at the time <laughs> because I was young but uh it was it was open and I, I needed internet i you what I need there's <laughs> no question just my music my games and my internet connection it's true isn't it at least for me
1: that's all I needed growing up so, Omai grew up in Brooklyn, and his passion with computers started in junior high. Right,
5: so, uh, for, I need to explain New York first, right? So, the way the New York system, uh, school system works is that once you reach the eighth grade, you get this big book of schools in New York, and there's a lot of schools in New York, and you have to apply for your schools that you want to go to. So, when I was in junior high school, um, there was one school called Brooklyn Tech, and I actually failed to get into that school because I didn't score high enough. But what happened was my, my music teachers, engineering high school, they saw that they saw where I was, I was planning on going. And, um, s- someone put my name on a list of standby people, uh, to get into Brooklyn tech and Brooklyn tech is very technical heavy, right? So they had like an aerospace engineering major, like th- this high school had majors. That's how serious it was. I was like, yeah, you know, I got a thing, you know, I got in and, uh, my major in high school was computer science, and so I took um, AP Java, um, computer architecture, uh, like a prep for an A plus course, but like all these technical, r- like really in depth courses, which I failed most of them because I stopped going to classes like halfway through. But <laughs> it, it that, like, that was my my exposure, my initial exposure to most of the the tech industry. I did pretty well, like like I did like the projects and stuff. I just didn't go to class half the time.
1: Yeah, and then how were you into music at the time?
5: So that was from from junior high school when I was in band. Um, I picked up alto saxophone, and I was playing that for a couple of years. And then when I got to high school, New York has what's called uh, the All State bands. So there was All State Marching Band, All State Jazz Band. Um, so I, I I joined the All State Marching Band, and eventually I picked up uh, like baritone saxophone and French horn and trombone. And I was just playing all these instruments, and I was like, yeah, I'm gonna. I'm going to go be uh, a video game composer when I leave high school. And that I mean, that didn't happen. But uh, <laughs> that was the goal at the time.
1: Huh. That makes me think. Are people who make music for video games also nerdcore musicians? I mean, shoot, some of the rappers here are taking video game sounds and putting them in their songs, so maybe. Well, Olay was really into video games and computers at the time. Which he says in one of his songs, sort of made him different.
5: Let's say I'm not black because I'm a nerd that speaks with eloquence while pronouncing the entire word. But the whole idea of that is really quite absurd, so listen up for a bit and you I concur. Yes. I'm an educated man from Brooklyn. Yes. I'm a nerd, but there's no need to sink your hooks in and try to... So, okay. The first thing I understand is that in in, in, in a lot of black neighborhoods, right, there's like an expectation, at least back in, in the 90s, and maybe still now, you, you sort of fit in a certain way, right? So if you like certain things or if you talk a certain way, people will say, oh, you talk like you're white, right? You talk all proper, all that kind of stuff. And it was kind of one of those things that... At the time, like I was just kind of like, I was like, oh, OK, sure. Uh, but it was like one of those things that kind of stuck with me because it made me feel like I, I didn't fit in at the time, uh, especially going to um, a school like in Fort Greene, right in Brooklyn, which now isn't as black as it used to be. But uh, <laughs> it's definitely got gentrified. But um it's it's it, it was one of those things just growing up it, it was what I was told by like other people right who look like me it was it was oh uh, you're too white or you, or you like white girls or something like that and it was kind of like okay sure so if you walk around claiming that I'm more lame cause I ain't into sports games you leaving me shortchanged an individual no need to conform shame it's my life I ain't talking about the board game you had no clue I could rap well I'm not surprised sorry for causing so much trouble when I rock the mic I always shoot and for whatever reason, there's like, there's always been this expectation that like, um, because I'm I'm tall, right, that I play basketball. So I've never really got into playing sports. I never really um, cared too much to watch it. I, I get really annoyed when people had that ex- put that expectation on me, like I'm supposed to know something. I joined the Navy and I left. <laughs> I left New York um, and I was doing electronics. So I, I had my hands in a lot of like deep network and radar, electronic stuff.
1: He spent years in the Navy doing this stuff, and he was thinking about getting out and doing something else, but then he saw a new opportunity.
5: The Navy has this this role for um, cryptologic techni- technicians for networks who do mostly, uh, that's like the cyber field for the Navy. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to give this a shot. I'll stay in for four more years and see how it goes. He
1: ended up spending 10 years in the Navy, and then he got out of there and transitioned back to civilian life.
5: I'm back! It's the return of the own. It's the return of the own. <laughs> Black hacker slash rapper, the return of the own. I'm settling for nothing less than usurping the throne. No matter if it's on computers or I'm heard on a phone, the observer my tones and hoods and suburban homes. Finished 10 years in the Navy drinking bourbon patrol. And I finished up my bachelor's while learning to pwn. Nerd in the zone, thought I was deserving a clone. Full time job, full time student, I emerged fully grown. Now
1: so, when he got out of the Navy, he got a job as a penetration tester.
5: Your network security level way down. Nothing can stop me off on my way round. Taking over your DC, nothing is safe now. This might be your network, but it's my domain now. I ain't scanning networks for practice Checking your ports I am scanning for access Enumerating services Better apply your patches I'll search sports. Exploit ExploitDB knows what the hack is Yo, you need to fortify heavily I see your
6: database services In version 1 SMB You know what this nerd gonna do Gallows, i am going turn on you This
5: quad fool will make you sad forever That's eternal blue. Dumping hashes when I'm loading up that Mimi cat Creds to my boy John See how many he can crack Smash and I grab on that lateral path Fake moving blunts when I say that I'm past in the hash. Not a script kitty, they ain't the level I'm on. I'm a snake charmer. Watch me dance around some python and generate shell code for services I find on your network. Pop a shell like it right on. Yeah. So when I was a web app pen tester, and I was as I was doing this pen test for whatever site it was, uh, they had ASP. Right, and I was like, oh, well, what can I do with this?
1: He decided to write his own tool to give him command line access to this machine.
5: And so, like, being able to take over an entire box, um, to me, it was, like, super exciting. So the first time I did it, um, I, and, like, being able to take over an entire box just through a web shell, and like writing .NET payloads and, and all these other cool things that people were doing that I was just kind of like, oh, you're doing cool research in .NET? Uh, let me go figure out how to write the web shop. It, it was definitely an experience. It was like one of my, my favorite experiences uh, from that job. No antivirus products? Guess you've never heard of those. I'm on that Willy Wonka got the golden ticket Kerberos. You actively blind, I'm tapping your lines, homie. All your unsecured traffic is mine, homie. Why your boss browsing porno in the workday, no good. He bought the catch a virus, and the worst way he's staring out a lot of chicks but all i'm getting out of it that side he's keeping is mining monero with some javascript and i bet he won't like that i'm just trying to get paid to be a white hat open my report and i'ma write that and show the impact of an attacker and put him on the right track i wrote that song specifically for my resume <laughs> uh because I, I i knew that like getting out the the, the navy um getting a job is going to be a little hard and I had some experiences with uh, some companies who uh, explicitly mentioned that they had a hard time hiring veterans because of personality issues <laughs> and like personality conflicts. But I just wanted to do something unique for my resume, and so I just left the link to the song at the bottom, of the footer. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, check out the song. Like, hire me, please, <laughs> please.
1: <laughs> well, d- how did it work?
5: Um. It didn't. <laughs> so, oh. um, the the companies that that interviewed me, the song aside, uh, I just didn't get hired. So, I already I already knew it was gonna be uphill battle.
1: Did they comment at all on like, oh, cool song, but no?
5: <laughs> so one of, one of the companies, that was like one of the first things they brought up on the phone interview, the phone screening, and I was like, I was like, I guess it worked. <laughs> so, uh, like I guess I did a good thing there.
1: Omai's oh really into Python. He learned it while in the Navy, but he's been using it ever since. His Twitter bio even says Python is life. So I asked him, "How does being good at Python make you good at doing security work?"
5: Oh man, Python makes it easy, right? So there's because like Python is like super well supported by, you know, so many people and there's always someone writing a new library somewhere. Uh, it it makes it one of the most versatile languages. I would say that like no matter What your field is in InfoSec, you can probably use Python for something because there's always something that you can automate. There's always something that you can make easier. And for sure, Python is one of the most approachable languages to do that in.
1: My like any human, nerdcore rappers suffer from loss and heartbreak too. Here's how Oh My brings his relationship experiences into his music.
5: Sometimes I look back and I think about the times that the two of us were fearless lovers. Then we fell apart and we both had broken hearts, but we never got to clear our buffers. So you remain in memory. We both try to pretend to be okay when we get near each other. Two threads caught in a deadlock. Got the process dead stopped. You thought I had a show you could crack easier than a password hash without a salt. I thought we were on the same page when I moved into the region, but turns out there was a page fault. We played the game, lost direction, no D-pad. Thought we would float after we dipped, no T-bag. You tried the course correct, There was through a deep drag, but it was a hard drive. We needed to defrag. Oh, yeah. So that, that song is uh, about my ex-girlfriend. <laughs> um, and uh, I, I am not a very emotionally available person. <laughs> I will say that all lot. So uh, it, was, it was basically that, right? Uh, I, I don't always open up to people. And so, um, yeah. And wh- I, I sent her that song, and she didn't understand any of the references. So but I was like, this is just me expressing my feelings. <laughs> so you execute a code in my mind, and you'll find that your thread dropped a lot of files. But then the process died. Now your code is orphan. That's a problem, child.
0: All the
1: while. it's it does seem comical at the same time as sad. Uh, and all of this nerdcore seems comical. Of like, oh my gosh, I get that joke, but I feel so nerdy getting it.
5: <laughs> yeah, and then that's, that's definitely the vibe that I think a lot of um, like that nerdcore has is, is gone for. Like since inception, is is like, man, I get this, I get this particular line because I can relate to it. Mm-hmm. I've got my-
1: in now, Omai oh is working on the red team at Azure. This is the cloud computing service that Microsoft offers.
5: So our job is to perform red team assessments against teams working on Azure products and services. So we're an internal team, right? We don't do customer facing engagements. And we basically just hack away and, and try to find new things either within Azure. Or against specific teams and how they how they organize their their infrastructure or whatever else they have to organize.
1: But get this: while yeah, he's hacking on Azure itself sometimes, his scope goes way beyond the product.
5: Right. So if you take like um, Azure Functions, for example, right, we're not looking for vulnerabilities in Azure Functions. That's for the, the product engineer teams and security assurance team. We're looking for uh, ways to hack the Azure Functions the development team, right, and any vulnerabilities that they may have that might lead us to take over the service, for example, which you know has bigger implications down the line.
1: Wow, oh, that's crazy, huh? He's trying to hack the people who work at Microsoft in order to help keep Microsoft products more secure. Wild. <laughs> The last song I want to leave you with from Oh My, it's called Tabs, and I absolutely love it.
5: I got tabs in the browser, I got tabs. In my browser, always crowded on the daily, always filled with some or some articles I may read. If you saw the way my windows look, you'd call me crazy. I be spawning tabs like rabbits when they making babies. It's a maybe if you ask me if I ever plan to close them, never knowing if I need them, so they stay for the moment. Always open, of a new tab whenever I'm browsing. Tab count flex like Goku, over nine thousand. I got these tabs in my phone. Internet Explorer is not a browser. I'm tabbing in Chrome. Tabbing at home every time I open up with a window my tabin' is grown back to the bone When it comes to browsing I ain't thinking keeping tabs on the throne That is a stone Keep it in memory like all the ramp for the tabs that are I got tabs in the browser I got tabs I got tabs I got tabs I got tabs in the browser I got tabs tabs I got tabs in the browser
1: Our last musical act is none other then Dualcore.
7: Yes, I am Int-80. I'm the rapper in Dualcore, and I consent to this recording for the use of Darknet Diaries. Okay, just to
1: clear things up, Int-80 is the name of the rapper, the guy we're talking with, and Dualcore is the name of
7: the rap group. I'm beyond excited to be on the podcast. Your podcast is literally my favorite one. I've listened to every single episode. I can't say that about any other podcast. Dang. And as, as soon as new episodes come out, it's like the first thing that I listen to.
1: Well, it's always a trip for me to meet someone and find out that we have mutual respect for each other's work. I really dig Dual Chorus music too. Here, check this out.
2: Yeah, my multicast datagram IP flow spreads across browners making every neck blow. Exponential growth rate is out of control. forced to DDoS, to CMOS, everywhere it goes. I am stand for the purity of art and I'm crap. And the overflow buffer always causing a crash. Every track's pickbacks, vocal tones dispatched. Always working hard, but I've been known to kickback.
7: So you ready to start? Sure, let's do it. All right. So what was going on in high school? Were you uh, a nerd then? Absolutely. Yeah, I, uh, I got in trouble in high school. I... Uh, took a C plus plus programming class and sent, uh, using NetSend, I sent a message to all the Windows computers saying there was a virus in the system, and I waited until everybody had logged out at the end of the class period, and the next class period came in, and they all logged in and got this message box popping up saying there was a virus, and I got kicked off the computers for like a week. And it was in high school where he started making music. I listened to hip hop. There, uh, there was a kid that I used to program and hack with on AOL, and he lived in New Jersey. And so we would either be talking about hacking or programming or hip hop. And we'd have discussions of who the best rapper was, etc. And he's actually the one that got me started rapping. He sent me an email with a rap verse that he wrote about how he was a better hacker than I was. And I paid it no mind because I knew that I was a better hacker than him and he kept bugging me to write a response back so eventually I wrote a response and that was my first rap verse that I ever wrote and it was about how I was a better hacker and programmer than he was.
2: My first time online, 1995 My neighbor's new computer We took it for a ride, addicted from the start And it wasn't an ending soon In JPEG room, seeing women in the nude But that's not my interest Time I could invest, Del trees and Trojans Computers I could infect
7: I remember making my first website and I was just learning HTML, but obviously I didn't know HTML particularly well. And I went to paste something into an IM to somebody and I thought I had some other content in the clipboard. But what I had was the markup from the website that I was building and it was all messed up and it crashed AOL or it froze it or something bad happened. And I was curious as to what happened. So I looked at what was in my clipboard and it was the markup from my website and there were were some syntax errors, like the the tags or the values were wrong or something. And at that point I realized, okay, what if I intentionally put bad values in the markup and then send that to somebody? And so then I just started kind of manually fuzzing, putting in strange values, like having a font size of a bunch of nines or starting uh, the HTML with like an ending HTML tag. And so, I, uh, what would happen is there were all these bugs in the AOL client, and you would get kicked offline, or AOL would freeze up, or crash, or something bad would happen. And at the time, it was dial-up, so it took you like ten minutes to get back online. So you'd be in a chat room, and someone would argue with you, and you'd turn off your IMs and send them an IM with this awful HTML in it, and their client would crash, and they would go off, go away, and get kicked offline.
2: Some code in an I am the start up. Pay hey, show wealth, was frozen on the markup. Came across proggies and tools made by others, kicking people offline. The scene called them punners. Had the best strings that would crash and hold the throne, so I couldn't give them out. Had to code it on my own. V 3 download and feeling out of
7: place. And so I used to trade these punch strings, this malformed HTML for stolen accounts so that I could keep access. My parents would always get upset with me for some reason, and then they'd take away my AOL access. And so I had all these stolen accounts so that I could continue having access to the internet. And um, what really drove me into programming was I had like a secret stash of punch strings that I refused to share to anybody because they were so good. And so I needed a way to weaponize those. And so that drove me to learning Visual Basic and um, the Windows API so that I could write my own punters to then kick people offline.
1: Ducor actually collaborated with Whitey Cracker on this song. It's called, I Remember.
7: I actually did not want to do computers as a career. I went to school, I have a Bachelor of Arts in political science, and I wanted to be a lawyer. And I really enjoyed classes like civil liberties and criminal justice. I really enjoyed doing case studies, writing about dissenting opinions and concurring opinions. And uh, I it's, I just uh, I always thought of the movie, the, the Matrix, where they show Thomas Anderson in his cubicle after he's just been yelled at by his boss. And it just looks like such a drab situation to be in. So that was my stereotypical view when I was younger about what having a career in computers would be like. But I was approaching graduating from uh, my political science degree, and I went to a law day at a law school, and learning about how much you had to read and write was unbearable for me. So (laughs) I decided uh, hacking computers is really fun, and maybe I can get a job doing that, or at least programming and, uh, you know, building web apps and stuff, which is something I had been doing at that point.
1: His first computer job was doing website development. He then started hanging out at security meetups. And from there he got an internship doing security work. After that, he went to get a job doing application security, which is where he's paid to find bugs in the software that the company makes.
7: Right, except I was a consultant. So I would basically be on like a five-day engagement and uh, we would do white box or black box assessments. White box being where you have exposure to the entire source code and black box where you're just targeting just like a regular site or an application without any knowledge of its source code. And then, uh, and then, yeah, you, for the first four days, you're pretty much hacking and try, just trying to find bugs, unfortunately. Um, like I think in one of my first assessments, I think I like pivoted through the network and got domain admin and checked in with the engagement manager and said, okay, I've got domain admin. Now what? And they're like, no, that's not what you're supposed to do. You're just supposed to take a screenshot of the alert box and put that in the report.
2: <laughs> and start when computers had tools i don't mean the internet's the real vacuums with diodes and relays to shoot for the moon just one system filled a whole room advanced back then to write plenty tracks i'm top of colossus sacked back in the 50s before they had help my ai deceived even turing himself
7: uh, let's see at that point i think we had just started dual core, so I, I know we started dual core in 2006. That was when we were making our first album, Zero One. In 2007, that was when I that was when we released our first album, Zero One. And also in 2007 is when I got my first application security job. And I remember when I started uh, at the company. People already knew about Dual Core, which was mind-blowing to me because I was just some kid recording rap songs in a basement in Cincinnati. So um, it was uh, it was a shock to walk into a place and people already knew my music that had only been out for a few months.
2: Let's play a game, Dial up, Global, thermo, nuclear, war pack, rabbit. To my angle, the da Vinci virus,
7: to Dualcore is two people. It's myself, Int-80. I'm the rapper in the group. And then the other half is C64. So I write and record all the rap songs, and I have the mustache. And C64 makes all the beats. He does all of the mixing. He does all of the artwork. Um, does some of our social media stuff, and he's basically all of the talent in the group, and I'm just kind of the loud person in front. Penny Arcade published a blog post about our album, which got a, our music in front of a bunch of listeners. And I kind of used that as a springboard to start booking shows as, as rapidly as I could. So I said, you know, Penny Arcade is a big fan of our music. Here's the link to their blog post. You should totally book dual core and we ended up playing at DEF CON that year just a few months after that. We were the first ever uh, live hip-hop act to play at DEF CON and I've been playing every year since 2007 uh, live in person except for 2020 with the pandemic. To the minimal,
2: 85 pounds on his frame made it pitiful, alive in his mind He nurtured a trust cause that was the only thing they couldn't touch He took up hacking to push away comatose pro it exploits, races, and overflows He made two friends named Mike and Tim and come to find out they were just like him.
7: Yeah, uh, I then moved into a position doing reverse engineering, and I was essentially cracking copy protection. So uh, companies would come in with copy protection that would go on a particular device, and they would want to know how fast it could be broken. And so we would uh, we have three objectives usually. One would be to um, pirate the intellectual property. One would be to reverse engineer the protection uh, to get a full understanding of the protection, and then the uh, the third objective would be to tamper the protection without being detected.
2: Signed the first line, it was just 9 to 5, quickly realized it became 9 to 9, 24-7, 365. A process that separated me from my life, need to unplug, but you're still online, and you've got to pay the bills every month on- It's a road to success. No shortcut the steps instead. Just another long day ahead. But I've gotta do well, stand out, achieve. First person in, last one to leave. Time doesn't matter.
7: I went and worked at um a social media platform that we all know and have probably used at some point. And I worked on um on building uh threat systems for them. So uh our Our goal was to be able to find any malware that was uh, spreading or communicating across the platform and then sandbox it, uh, pick pick it apart programmatically, figure out what it was doing, uh, siphon out indicators, and then uh, build new signatures and put it all on our compute and fabric storage. Um, And then programmatically associate it with any other families. And then we could put uh, detections and filtering in place to stop future campaigns and and alert victims that were on the platform.
1: While there, he discovered some malware on the platform which would mine Litecoin. This is a cryptocurrency like Bitcoin. He cleaned the malware off the infected systems, but he realized he could do more than just stop it in his network.
7: I reached out to the Litecoin mining pool and asked them if they would stop, uh, basically like stop all of the progress for this particular account. And I had evidence of like, you know, th- these are the malware samples. Uh, here's like in the code where it's using your pool, etc. And also the malware had stages up on Dropbox. So I worked with Dropbox and said, um, hey, like this is uh, this malware is like staging off of your platform. Can we like find all of the instances of instances of it? And so Dropbox was able to find them all. And then the C2 was at uh, some hosting company. So I reached out to the hosting provider and I said, hey, like, uh, this, this malware has uh, got its C2 on a VPS in, in your hosting setup. Um, can I get a copy of the VPS? And they said, sure. And they gave me a copy of the VPS. And that gave me all of the logs and keys that uh, the malware authors use to log in and check into the C2. And then uh, on a particular Friday, uh, I said, hey, on this Friday coming up at 9 a.m. Pacific time, uh, let's kill everything off. And so we did. We did this coordinated takedown. And it, that Friday at 9 a.m., the malware ceased to exist on the Internet. And it was super fun. Science,
2: the point I've almost mastered it. Such a vicious cycle. my life is broken polarized work more and more It's less time to socialize and that's just the gamble so why try and roll the dice either
7: so after uh, after leaving the social media platform uh i took a job as a red team operator so I, I worked on the red team at Salesforce, and our our job was basically to make the bad things happen.
2: Hackers are the future. We're the ones for you to bet on. Fuel to the fire, like computers were a Chevron. This is all decades way before I met John. So I led on. Knowledge gives to wisdom. Got a job and it pays, and it doesn't end in prison. Help secure computers by installing. Now we're in them, hoping they don't twist it, turning me into the victim.
7: We would start any red team operation with asking the question, what's the worst thing that can happen to this business? The Salesforce has a number of acquisitions, so there's always fresh attack surface for us to look at. And we we basically would try to go after things that were really important or critical to the business, things that matter the most. Because if you're handing in a report to executives and you just say, look, I popped an alert box, no executive understands why that's important, maybe not even what that is. But if you're able to say, I have a copy of all of your customer data, and I've put backdoors in the source code that makes your business run. And those are the most important things to your business. They're going to understand we're going to be out of business, or you know the stock's going to take a hit, or bad things are going to happen. And so we would we would do that kind of stuff, right? We would we would try to exfil customer data, or we would try to backdoor source code, or we would break into places sometimes. And so um, trying to frame the objectives in a more high level way and telling a story rather than just handing in a report that people might not read.
2: shells every time I hear a callback. one more story one more hacker back to the past when the path got fractured sometimes calm sometimes disaster turn the page and we start another chapter just another story just another hacker just another past up until it shattered sometimes calm sometimes disaster turn the page and we start another chapter
1: but that job didn't last long if you google defcon salesforce you'll see articles about a mishap that happened and he got
7: caught up in all that. I have since pivoted into a cloud engineering kind of role. And so um, I build cool stuff, but I also break break things. And so it's, it's a nice balance of getting getting uh, both sides of, of it, right, being able to uh, construct and then also tear down and see, see how to construct it better in the future.
5: Not every geek with a Commodore 64 can act into NASA.
7: The the song All The Things came about by randomly being at DEF CON one year, and a friend of mine, Virus from DC 949, came up to me and said, hey, drink all the booze, hack all the things. That's how we're doing it this year. And I said, oh, that's cool. Like, so- sounds like fun. And we, my producer was in from the UK. He had flown all the way to Vegas. And also with me was Dale Chase. and. Uh, we were rolling around playing parties, and I think it was our fourth party of the night. And we get there, and the whole pool place is, is packed. It's just, the pool area is just filled with people all waiting for a dual core show. <laughs> and so, so, I'm like, all right, so we show up, and um, my producer and I are talking, and we're like, what if we played like a set where we just like, just kind of make it up as we go? And so my producer is like, sounds good. And he C64 is just throwing on whatever beats that he wants to throw on. We're not sticking to any particular set, and we're just we're just going for it. And so uh, Dale and I are just kind of wrapping verses. We're we're putting in hooks where we can. And my producer plays this one beat, and I said, let's let's do a freestyle. I like this beat. Sounds good. Let's do a freestyle. And uh, and so I, I just say like, all right, in the chorus, I'm I'm gonna say, drink all the booze and everybody yell, hack all the things. And it was amazing. Like I, we started the freestyle and we got to the chorus and I yelled, drink all the booze. And it's now it's, you know, four something in the morning in, in Vegas and the entire pool area is just people screaming, hack all the things. Several years uh, after the song had been out, I got an email and it was a, a person who said, hi, like, I work on the game Watch Dogs at Ubisoft and we're making Watch Dogs 2, but nobody knows yet. And uh, we, I saw you play at Def Con and I need your music in the game. So can I like? how do we do that? And I said, send me an NDA and we'll get everything set up and we'll make it happen. And so they ended up including all the things in Watch Dogs 2. Then we're back in
2: just stay infiltrated so undercover this is for my comrades who stare at the debuggers and trace every buffer examining the code flow haven't been to sleep better pop another dodo's i think i'll need a planet-sized urn cause some men just want to watch the world burn your turn
1: dual core has continually grown more popular over time and so much that
7: he's been able to book live shows all over i played all across the u.s canada Um, I've played in Colombia, I've played in Brazil, I've played in Dubai, uh, and I've played all across Europe as well. We even did a three-week tour, me and my producer, in the UK. But When I started, I always thought that my ideal week would look like uh, hacking stuff Monday through Friday and then playing rap shows on the weekends, and that is the structure that I kind of derived or composed and have stuck with all these years and it's worked out really well Um, I've done some tours where you know we're on the road for anywhere from like three to eight weeks Um, but for the most part normal week for me is like Monday I go to work and then Thursday or Friday I'll fly out and play shows and then Sunday or Monday I'll fly back and Monday I'm back at work again
1: Dual Core has done some collaborations with other Nerdcore rappers, but not all Nerdcore rappers are hackers. Like we were saying earlier, some Nerdcore rappers talk about video games and some talk about anime, but in order for Dualcore to collaborate with these other people, he created a file sharing system on his server that he set up. However, he set it up using SCP, which is a secure file transfer
7: method, but that takes a couple steps to set up. When I started doing collaborations with folks, I'd say, hey, um, here's a like send me your SSH public key and I'll set you up with a user account and then you can SFTP or SCP your waves up. And I thought, you know, everybody was a hacker like I was uh, in the nerd rap scene. And I think Whitey Cracker was the only person that when I said that he didn't blink it and I said, okay, no problem, here's my SSH key, good to go. Meanwhile, everybody else was like, what is SSH? What is a key? What is SCP? What are you, How do I get you the files? And so uh, that was I always thought that was like a really funny experience kind of having the realization that there aren't many hackers that are out making rap music. And see, that's what I think is interesting about this sliver of music in
1: the world. The lyrics are about this specific type of computer usage. But not only that, it's made by hackers themselves for other hackers who want to hear songs about hacking. Hey, I dig it. And after chatting with these guys, I really am surprised at how much they're actually doing security themselves. I don't know why, but I just assumed they were wannabe hackers. But no, they aren't. They really are doing this stuff. So now, when I listen to Nerdcore, I have a newfound respect for the musicians behind it. A big thank you to Whitey Cracker, oh my, and Int80 from Dualcore. I never had guests bring their own soundtracks on before, but this was a fun ride. If you want to listen to just the music from this episode, I've created a playlist for you. Go to darknetdiaries.com slash episode slash 78. While there, you'll find more about each of these artists, and really, dive into their music because they have a ton of songs to discover. Also, I want to give a big thanks to my Patreon members. Those who are donating to the show are a massive help for the show's success. Thank you so much. But I did the math, and less than 1% of my audience is helping the show through Patreon. Look, if you've gone through every episode and can't wait for new episodes, consider donating to the show. This tells me most of all that you like it and want more of it, which motivates me to keep going and make it better. If you want to help, please visit patreon.com slash darknetdiaries. Thank you. This show is made by me, Sir Dollar String, Jack Recider. Editing helped this episode by the Funky Cherry, Damien, and our theme music is by Biggie Doom, AKA Breakmaster Cylinder. And even though for some weird reason, I think 1024 is a perfectly round number, this is Darknet Diaries.